It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in here today. We are continuing in our discussion, our study about conflict resolution. Why do I call it a study? Because we are using the Bible to navigate this very difficult subject because it's something that impacts all of us. I doubt there's a single listener right now who's not dealt with some form of conflict, either in your own home, in your workspace, wherever you may be. If you have an opinion about something, you're probably going to deal with some response, uh, division even, or even ways where people have just misunderstood. If you use texting at all, <laughs> you've probably offended somebody because they didn't hear your tone of voice. We can get offended by a lot. We're easily offended. We're easily distracted, easily given into division. And may it never be. And so here we want to navigate this very sensitive subject using God's holy word, verse by verse, even through Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, will be our baseline. It's a topic that we've been examining closely here of conflict resolution over the last three weeks. And if you've missed those studies, you can go to calvaryfountain.com. Again, that's calvaryfountain.com. Dot com is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. There's a drop down there where you can actually go and listen to this broadcast and more. In fact, go and hear the whole series over again. Share it with your friends and family alike because we want this to be a resource as we equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so to help me in this very powerful, serious subject matter, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, always great to have you. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed your list. And the other thing I was thinking is you're going through different sources of conflict. Any of you who are married out there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so if you have a pulse. Right. You uh, pulse, you're probably... <laughs> exactly right. If you breathe oxygen, you're then you've had some this. kind of conflict. And uh, it's not if it's going to happen and when it's going to happen and how frequently it's going to happen. And I think you've really done a great job through the influence of the Holy Spirit, really guiding us and directing us in this study and how to be prepared Amen. to answer these situations in a godly fashion. That's right. And we have discussed in brief some of what was transpiring throughout Scripture. We learned so much from the patriarchs, as we might call them, Amen. even the matriarchs of our faith. And we see their mistakes, yeah. and it's not to elevate their error, but rather to show us that even these who filled with the Holy Spirit, spending time with Jesus, can yet find themselves struggling in the flesh to navigate every single decision, every thought according to the wills, the will and way of God. And so let's go to Acts chapter 15, again, verses 36 to 41. This is our baseline of our discussion here today as we examine conflict resolution. And of course, we'll navigate a number of other scriptures in this. But here, this is an issue between Paul and Barnabas, and individuals, we might call them both, patriarchs of the faith. Right. And listen to these words. It says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed 
being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Now, you go back to Acts chapter 13, as we've discussed, we'll recap here for just a moment, that there was a an issue in which John Mark had left the team and returned to Jerusalem. So as we navigated over the last couple of weeks, we are examining that both men are perhaps feeling very justified. They felt right in their perspectives of this. I mean, you could almost hear Barnabas saying, let's give the man another chance. And you could hear it from Paul saying, you know, this is a very serious mission that we're about to undertake. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not for somebody to, to, to grow weary in doing good and head back home. We're in this thick and thin to the glory of God. And so this may not be as much about John Mark as it was about was he ready. Right. And so you could almost hear from both men that they were both seemingly right and yet here arises a sharp division in their midst. And it's not till many years later, 10, even up to 15 years later, as we see recorded in Scripture. It doesn't mean that that's not uh, something that was resolved much earlier. But by those writings, that's where we see those years pass. And then it seems like there's been reconciliation. I wish we would have heard the details in the midst therein of how that reconciliation comes to, to, to be. But Yet in this, we see that they are reconciled to one another. We praise God from that for that, but then we learn so much from it. I think one thing that we can surmise is that their reconciliation was also a blessing to the church, just as their Amen. division may have been harmful uh, on some level, not only to themselves, but to those around them and those who loved each of them. But the reconciliation was a blessing to Amen. the church, I think. Well, there's a lot to learn. Yeah. a lot to learn from this. So as we recap the principles, we finished up without covering principle number seven. Uh, so let me just highlight for you the first few principles, once again, that we take away from this occurrence, this instance of division and what happened thereafter with the reconciliation. But principle number one is, though all Christians worship the same Lord, we don't always agree on every point. And certainly we see that even with the number of denominations, 41,000 denominations just in the Christian faith of some 320,000 churches just in these United States, so we don't agree on everything. Often we major in the minors, unfortunately. Uh, principle number two is that on issues of deep personal conviction, our disagreements will sometimes become very sharp, and that's because we're very passionate over these things, and sometimes we get so caught up in getting our point across, we're not really cognizant of how they're receiving that point. Have we now offended them by how we've communicated to them? Is our tone uh, one of demeaning, demoralizing, talking down to, belittling their opinion because our, our perspective is so strong, uh, and yet we, we know that the point perhaps we're trying to get across is a good and viable one, but yet lacks the sensitivity to how they're best receiving it. We all learn differently. We all hear differently. And we've talked about that, the differences between men and women, uh, even how we hear and receive information and how we process that information. Yeah. Oswald Chambers said something akin to, we take our ideas about God like molten lead poured into a mold and then we fling it at the heads of people who disagree with us. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a tendency to do that, don't we? Yeah. Well, principle number three is that separation between friends may occur, but there is hope if we follow God's plan for reconciliation. And that's what he outlines for us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of our broadcast today, about the greater macro level to all of this and what we put into practice at a micro level in our relationships each and every day. Because chances are, I don't think we can finish a week without some division perhaps arising or a difference of opinion. 
And so we've got a lot to learn here. And if we follow God's plan, we will see this through and see reconciliation and, yes, even peace with our enemies, even the enemies of God in this. Uh, we dare not call them enemies, but yet we can feel like there are certain personalities right. that just ruffle our feathers. That's right. Uh, our whole countenance changes when their name comes up. And so we have to deal with that, and we have to deal with it biblically. Uh, we also can learn here from principle number four that God's work is sometimes advanced through disagreement. We talked a little bit about that last week, that when we had one team that was going out, there were two men, one team, one destination. Afterwards, there were five men, two teams, two destinations. And so God even used this. His will can't be thwarted. We see that certainly throughout church history when divisions would arise, and and perhaps we had moved away from the plumb line of truth and adopted a lot of tradition, a lot of religiosity, and gotten off of the core basis of the truth, gospel-filled message. And so sometimes those disagreements are necessary to course correct, and we praise God for that, but in this, we should always seek reconciliation. Point number five, principle number five, rather, is if friends or believers must separate from one another, let us do so with respect, not with anger or bitterness. And that is a key takeaway here is that are we praying through this? Are we asking God to be glorified in this? Is it really about me and my offense, or is it really about the, the Lord's work being done? Am I, am I so willing to win the argument that I'm willing to lose the friendship or to mismanage my relationships, and, and to not be the ambassador for Christ that I've been called to be. And Dr. Ford, you talked about then the three warning signs of that when we know we've crossed that line. And then we went and spent a little more time in principle number six, which was in Christ, our ultimate goal should be eventual reconciliation and, yes, even restoration potentially of a, a friendship that's been harmed uh, through all of this. Even talking about that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 to 24, we read that, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother is something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. This is important to the Lord, and we praise God that these men were able to demonstrate reconciliation to us Unfortunately, just by the timing of when the letters were written and then canonized, as we see that there was about 10 years between these letters, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, then we see in Colossians 4, 10, uh, even mentions in 2 Timothy 4, 11. And so just by when those letters were written, we see that there was some time that went by. doesn't mean it was that long for that reconciliation to have occurred, just when they were specifically mentioned in those particular letters. So we praise God there was reconciliation. So we'll pick up now here in principle number seven. Here's what we read. Hold on to truth firmly, yet graciously, knowing that God may lead someone else differently than he has led you. You see, we, we have the same truth. We should be reading it as holy truth, but yet our experiences may help us to understand some of it a little differently. A teenager may not understand the text the same way as someone who's been married for 30 years and put it to practice and understood there, there's a, the ebbs and flows right, of even nuances. that journey, yeah, right? right? So, so they're going to bring a, a level of spiritual maturation, hopefully, to the discussion where they may see a layer of that text that's not directly captured initially by someone who's inexperienced right. in putting the Word of God into practice. Romans 14.5 says that each one should be fully convinced in his own mind 
And I, I believe it's important then that we pick up on that, that may the God of endurance, as we read in Romans chapter 15, 5 to 6, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it's to be fully convinced, but not to the point of where you feel everybody else is wrong and you're right. The goal is still that we're one voice and we're strengthening those around us as a body. I don't want my hand fighting with my foot. They've got to be in alignment together for us to operate at our fullest capacity. So this is not a competition between the hand and the foot. And Paul uses that imagery quite well uh, of expressing the body of Christ, that Christ is the head over his body. So here we have this uh, perhaps even jealousy between the body parts, the eye over the ear, and may it never be. The whole thing needs to work in harmony. And doctor, I know that this is your specialty when you're talking about <laughs> mobility and, and, and right. how the body operates together. But let me just give us four points here. That is, we think about a four-step outline for discovering God's will in doubtful areas where Christians disagree. Is that number one, step one, we are to pray for guidance. Step two, we are to search the scriptures. When we react emotionally, we will find that we will compound the situation far worse than if we had just prioritized going to God, seeking wisdom, allowing our mouth to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit, because far too often our mouth gets us in further trouble because it just reveals the frustration in the heart that is not tapered, not disciplined, not coming under the authority of the Lordship of Christ and reacting because you've made me upset and now I want you to be upset too. And now we've compounded the problem and you're going, well, what were we fighting about? <laughs> we're fighting about how we were fighting right. more than, than the problem. So we need to search the scriptures. That will keep this, this perspective in right alignment. Uh, step three is that we need to seek godly counsel. That's important. Uh, obviously, you, there, there's a, a great wisdom in many advisors, in many counselors, it also helps to bring down and diffuse the situation even more. Step four is that we ask God to give us specific direction. Again, if we do this, it's interesting that we talked about it before, that a couple that prays together stays together. Very hard to be offended or continue to be angry at somebody you're praying for. And that's true of friendships, co-workers. If we're truly seeking a door to be opened, a heart to be changed, that that hardened rock of a, of a brain or a heart to be chiseled away, <laughs> Uh, th there would be something soft presented there that they would be receiving something, uh, that it's not just about their, their refusal to hear another perspective in this. You need to truly pray over this because disagreement is inevitable. I mean, we're different people. And just as there is a difference in male and female, there is a difference in all of us. We need to come to the table with that understanding. We're going to hear things different. We're going to see it differently. Dr. Ford, let me add this one verse here, and then maybe you can build on this. But James chapter 1, 19 to 20 tells us, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about 
the righteous life that God desires. Amen. <laughs> oh, I love that verse. It's it's convicting, but I love that verse. Amen. Uh, and just it just goes back to the whole idea of why God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we should be listening <laughs> twice as much as we're actually speaking. That's right. Uh, and just Amen. you know, it's something I have to continually remind myself is be quick to listen, be quick to listen, be quick. To listen. <laughs> because we always you know we're thinking about what we're going to say next sometimes instead of listening to what the person's actually saying. That's right. So yeah. we do have some good tips available to us uh, as in regards to helping resolve personal conflict. Amen. And definitely, I think one of them is to define the problem and stick to the issue. And you've really been talking about that. You've been speaking to that. Mm-hmm. Let's avoid angry words. Let's avoid bringing up past issues and hurts. But let's just stick to what we're talking about. Here. That's right. Let's not get you know caught up, like you say, with bunny trails and that sort of thing. Another one is to pursue purity of heart. From Matthew 7, 5, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. Another important one to remember as yeah. we're heading down those roads. Uh, and, and, you know, we might think to confess our sin any way that we may have contributed to the problem. I think that's important that we, that we hold ourselves accountable for our role. You know, right. it, takes, it takes two to have, you know, a conflict. Yes. And so that's inevitably, true. you know, we're playing some role in this as well, as much as we'd like to blame the other person. Another would be to another idea would be to plan a time for the discussion. So it's so important to make sure that we're not discussing these things when we're already agitated, if we're not well rested, if we're stressed out, then it's really just going to impair our ability for Mm -hmm. successful conflict resolution. Very true. Another would be to affirm the relationship. Don't attack the person, but address the issue. Once again, stay on topic. Mm-hmm. You know, your relationship, our relationship is important to me. You're important to me. Your views are important to me. Right. When you do A, I feel B, that sort of thing. Trying to stay away from accusatory, you know, right. words and, and, and subjects and topics. Another would be to, as we've talked about, listen carefully. Make sure that your body language, your <laughs> eyes, you're making eye contact, you're engaged, you're facing the person. All those, little, you know, we read these things subconsciously and we can tell when somebody's really not paying attention, Yeah, uh, even on a subconscious yeah, level. I, I always find it interesting when people don't ask forgiveness well. Right. Like, I'm sorry that you feel this way. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that it, it, it's totally uh, uh, disrespectful right. in that and trying to almost uh, demoralize in some way that you did you were wrong right. for how you felt about yeah. what I said. And I'm as sorry about to acknowledging that. how they feel about <laughs> right, it. Right, exactly. Right? I'm sorry that you were wrong about that and you were upset. <laughs> yeah, that's really on you. It's not me. It's not yeah. how I delivered it at all. That right. was wholly how you heard it. <laughs> yeah, and we can get caught up into that that's for right. sure. And I, I think the other idea would be to be able to, as we've talked about before, to speak back to the person their view in such a way that they say, that's it. That's exactly my point. That's exactly my view. So that they feel validated and understood. And then I think they'll be more receptive to what we have to say. Right. So another really good tool for us is of course, and we just can't emphasize this enough to forgive, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Mm. You know, I think we just need to make forgiveness concrete and we can do that with four promises to ourselves and to them. Mm. I promise I won't bring this up and use it against you in the future. Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> that is a big one, especially within the confines of marriage. Uh-huh. I promise I'm not going to dwell on it in my own heart and mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to other people about it. Another huge one with gossip. Right. That's yeah. a really big deal, I think, in the eyes of the Lord, for sure. I'm not going to let it stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. That's right. Another thing, valuing and validating the person. And lastly, another great tool in the toolbox would be to propose a solution. 
And remember that the relationship is more important than the issue. Philippians 2, 4 to 5 says, Each of you should live not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So our attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, who came and died and sacrificed for us. And, you know, came to be a servant, not to be served. That's right. Amen. I mean, you can't change what's going on around you until you start changing what's going on within you. Amen. Right? I mean, so so we can't be the ambassadors that Christ has called us to be. That's the role he's given to us. We didn't ask for that title, but if Christ dwells in us, if we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, what people see on the outside, what they hear coming out of our mouths should be representative of him. And so if that work is being done on the inside, if we're not resisting the work of the Holy Spirit because we love our sin too much and we're not willing to let go of the things that delight the flesh and be that servant, that diakonos that we're called to be, a foot washer, for the King of Kings. And we think that's belittling and actually scripturally that's elevating. Right. Uh, the, the lower we find ourselves in this world willing to not bring any attention to ourselves and to do all for his glory, the more elevated we are, yeah. right? And especially in his eyes, because we see that he sees that we get it. Yeah. We're understanding our role in this world is not to elevate self. Yeah. Timothy Keller calls those sort of things the great reversal. Uh, right, because in God's economy, things are so different than ours. When I'm weak, I'm strong. You know, those sorts right. of things, exactly Amen. what you were speaking to. Yeah, First Corinthians 1, I mean, he chooses the broken things, right. the weak things. And yeah. so if that's who he chooses and you're chosen, then now we should identify with, I was the broken thing. I right. was the weak thing. I, I was not the gifted speaker. Anything that good it comes out of me by way of action or word or in, in, in even my posturing before him is the greater work that he's doing in us. And so that's where we start to shift gears now to the macro level from the micro level. We talked about that before the program, Dr. Ford, of just how we put into practice the very thing that we have been given through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If we don't understand the magnitude of our sin, then we'll never understand the magnitude of the reconciliation that we have with God. And this is not a choice for us. He tells us in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive you your offenses. I mean, this is huge to think about. This is not a recommendation or a suggestion. If you have truly received the forgiveness of sin through Christ Jesus our Lord, it's not optional right. to be a forgiving person to other yeah. people. Jesus was not, was not big on suggestions. <laughs> That's right. This is not a, you know, if you get around you to like it, it. <laughs> yeah, this is, you must do likewise right. if you are truly a servant of the Most High God, right. serving the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that there's 12 words that if we put to practice with sincerity, not just superficially, not to patronize somebody, but to authorize authentically, if we understand what Christ has done for us, these words won't be so difficult to leave our lips. I was wrong. Mean it. I was wrong. I was wrong. That's not necessarily about the view that I had or the information that I had. I was wrong that I allowed your heart to be hurt, that, that I belittled your feelings somehow. And not to say that because you felt that way, don't, don't do that. Just say, I, I don't want there to be an offense amongst us. It's breaking my heart. I was wrong to even allow that to come between us. I am sorry. I am sorry. Wow. Words that are transforming everything. Please forgive me. I love you. If we say these kind of words, it's amazing what God can do through a sincerity like that to diffuse the situation, to bring peace in almost a seemingly an impossible scenario. 
And Dr. Ford, even what we read, and I know our time is out today, but Matthew 18, 21 to 35, Matthew 18 has a lot to say on this issue about even going quickly to your brother, bringing another, if necessary, to absolve this situation. Don't let it get into gossip. Don't let it be a foothold for the devil to exploit, especially in the church or your family or anywhere where you are serving the Lord Jesus. You need to be representative of him at all times. Don't give the enemy a foothold here. And then he talks about the unforgiving servant who was unwilling to forgive an offense against him, a debt owed to him, when he had been forgiven a debt, there was never going to be a way for him to repay. And, and so go back to that as you're listening to this right now, Matthew 18, 21 to 35. That's your homework. Read that again and be reminded of the macro level to all of this, that through Christ Jesus, our Lord, if you have surrendered your life to him, to follow him, and according to Romans 10, 9, confess that he is Lord, you belong to him. And now you're representative of the true king and a better kingdom. Therefore, we have got to be better forgivers, better peacemakers, better individuals who are seeking to resolve all conflict. Maybe you're going to be the mediator today between two other folks. So this is our instruction manual through God's holy word. Dr. Ford, thank you as always for your wisdom. And I thank you all for listening today to Engage in Truth. You can listen to this again at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there. God bless you.